wake up, it's morning You're dreaming up a story I can hear The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep On the path to your deliverance And a holy Lord light Pouring through your window And I'm happy This morning I'm out at the Maplewood Commons in Sulphur, Louisiana it's around a little after seven o'clock and um, the sun hasn't come up yet. A uh, while back on one of the episodes and the announcements, I mentioned that I would soon be sharing some episodes called Find the Good News Journal. You know, if you're a listener to the show, you know that we do special editions or maybe not special, but uh, different editions of the show. The show comes out regularly every Wednesday at 3.33 a.m., which I've never really shared with you guys why it comes out at 3.33 a.m., but today I think I'm going to. And those episodes usually are a conversation between me and someone in the community that I've reached out to or connected with or heard about who's doing something good. And I brought this up on the show as well. You know, what, what is good and who decides what is good. And I always try to state that that's a large spectrum of color um, and it's a big umbrella. <clears throat> you know, and sometimes I like to think of that, think of goodness as an umbrella. Because, you know, when you're standing under an umbrella, it's kind of protecting you from something. Whether it's the scorching heat or torrential rain or just providing a little bit of shade and so when you're in that umbrella you know you can look in one direction but you can also turn 360 degrees and see see what's around you you know and things look different when you change directions and put your eyes on something new so that's a big component of how the show operates honestly it's a big part of the perspective but i'm getting off track um when I announced that I would do find the good news journals, my original thought was that these would be conversations between me, myself, and you. Reflections, thoughts, feelings, concerns, because that's another big part of what find the good news is all about, right? <clears throat> it's about asking people to share parts of themselves that maybe they don't share on a regular basis. Because I believe those parts, those inner, those inner chambers, those inner lights are the places that uh, give birth to a lot of the goodness that we do see in our communities. Um, and not just here in Southwest Louisiana, all over the world. I think, I think that's the same thing, you know. People, people generate goodness. And you know, there's enough negative in the world right now. There always has been. I mean, you look back through history there's always something that could be better there could be less suffering <clears throat> could be more peace more kindness more compassion more generosity and um, so often you look around and you see th people operating out of fear uh, worry and scarcity to be honest you know because and that's a reality I, I don't subscribe to the idea that um, so one can simply change their mind and it's going to 
put a balm on all of their sufferings because there are some tangible sufferings that, that we have to deal with, whether that's the loss of a loved one, old age, sickness, or death. Those are very real things. Uh, very simply put, I can look around the community and see someone who does not have a home and who um, a large part of their day may be spent in the pursuit of seeking a meal, finding a meal, a small meal, or just some shade or a place to rest and feel safe or somewhere to just sleep peacefully without fear. Not everyone has that. <clears throat> but there are people in our community who understand that not everyone has that and they work to balance those scales. So I guess in the sense of goodness, that's kind of what I'm talking about. But back to what I was originally talking about, you know, with the show, there were road trip episodes, which are really great for me because I can go to the place where the person is doing their good works or go spend time with them in the environment that is generating um, or surrounding them and motivating them or creating the platform for them to do their good work. You know, I may not actually always get to see that good work being done, but I can still see the goodness. You know, I can see why. Uh, I can see the fuel, maybe, or the, the tender that, that helps that goodness combust. But today, I'm at the Maplewood Commons, and what I normally do on Sunday mornings, most Sunday mornings, is I go for a long walk before sunrise. And I found that in Sulphur, where I live, Maplewood Commons is a great place to come and watch the sun come up. Come, come sit quietly and listen to the sound of the fountain, beautiful fountain. See all the young trees that are staked and strapped to the ground so they have a, a fighting chance, which I can only imagine what this is going to look like you know, in 20 years kind of thought about this place the other day when I went to Prion Lake Park. I had stopped for a moment between meetings and just to get some peace of mind and reflect for a little bit and gather my thoughts. And many, many years ago, in 2007, perhaps six, eight, somewhere in the that three-year time span, I worked at a branding agency that was a part of doing the signage, the wayfinding signage and the, the logo for that, for that park. So being on the front end of that brand being born, if you want to say it that way, uh, I got to go out there and see all the young trees, you know, all the, the landscaping, the little, the little patches of grasses, grasses and bushes and flowers and, and all the little trees. And uh, it, it was pretty cool because when I went the other day, I guess I'd never really noticed that the trees had gotten so big in that time period. You know, it has been 13 or 14 years. I'm probably getting that wrong. But it's somewhere in that time span of 13 and 14 years since all those trees were planted. And I, I wondered as I was sitting there and then thinking to what it looks like here at the Maplewood Commons, I wondered 
about the designers and the landscapers and how, oh listen, you hear that? That's the fountain. I've never been actually to the Maplewood Commons before the fountains come on before. And, and <laughs> funny little reflection, if I might digress a little bit off to, to my topic. When I got here this morning, in my mind I kept thinking, oh, I can't wait to get there and listen to the sound of the fountains. You know, it was so soothing, especially when I do my meditation and prayer, the white noise from the fountains is really soothing. And as I walked up, I saw they were off and I thought they had this thought, oh no, you know, uh, I came all the way here. I walked, I walked all the way from Post Oak Road to here and then the fountains are off. And it was only for a moment that I had that thought. And then I thought, well, maybe they'll come on. But then the other, the next thought was if they don't, it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's still beautiful, it's still serene. I mean, there's no one out here. I'm literally by myself. Not, in, I don't know if people are still in bed, getting ready for church, getting up cooking breakfast for their kids, or maybe just sleeping in on Sunday. You know, Sunday's a day of rest. Anyway, back to what I was originally talking about. I, I thought about that park and, and how beautiful it is now and just how even more gorgeous it's going to be as the years go by and the trees get larger and more shade develops. And I just can't wait to see that here. I say I can't wait. I can wait. I have to wait. But I can, I can see it in my mind's eye coming out here, you know, maybe with my grandkids. Or maybe my kids will come out here. And there'll be plenty of shade, maybe some tables. There's no tables right now. And uh, whoever spearheaded this project here at Maplewood Commons, um, good on you. Good on you because we need spaces like that. We need spaces like this in our city. We need them. We have a couple here in Sulphur, the Grove and Maplewood Commons, which is fairly new. And the Grove is wonderful too. I love to go there as well. Obviously it's, uh, I would say more trafficked than this one on certain days, but I'm sure on a day like today, at this time of the morning, there wouldn't be a lot of people there. But for me, talking about goodness and good news and the podcast and, and why I would even bother with a, a journal. If you're like me, it's, it's of high value to know uh, the come from. And some, several of my guests have used that word, what's the come from? And sometimes I, uh, we can forget. I can forget where goodness is being born. You know, it's easy to take things for granted and go, well, like this park, this wonderful park that I get to utilize on Sundays for my time of prayer and reflection. I don't really have to do anything to have this. You know, I, and when I don't have to do anything to have it, it's easy to, to take it for granted. But uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take things for granted. But boy, I'm so guilty of it. I'm so guilty of it. And I'm so guilty of looking around the community and thinking, well, there's this need 
or the scarcity or this deficit. And I'm sure somebody's doing something about that. That that's that's I'm just vocalizing something that probably, if I'm being honest, happens internally so quickly that it's almost imperceivable. But find the good news is about perceiving that. It's about taking a moment. You know, and I've discovered that over and over again with this show that every single person, every single one of them, uh, unless they flat out said that that's not the case, has had something happen or has had a series of some things happen that's generated a desire to change things for someone, something in the community, in the world, really. And so I hope in some small way that Find the Good News is, I guess, my version of that. I don't have a lot of... Um, I don't have the education to go and help people, you know, and utilize the, the system and the resources in the ways that some other people can. What I've got is a set of skills that has been pointing it at, pointed at advertising and marketing and communication for almost or over two, two decades in some form or fashion. And an attitude uh, that's really focused on getting things done. I've always been that way. I, um, I've never really loved to be caught in the mud or in a rut and keep spinning the tire. You know, forward momentum's always been something that's, I guess, been in my being, is to bring ideas to life. When you have a thought, put some energy towards that thought. And In fact, on the episode that's coming out Wednesday, this week, the anniversary episode, I talked about that. My, my nature is to kind of run hot and glow a little bit. And I like to put that glow in vehicles, so to speak, or containers and, and see them light up or, or see those vehicles run. Um, maybe that's what I'm here for. If you, if you think about things in that way, your purpose, your destiny, all that stuff. If that's some, if that's a, a way that you think, then maybe that's the language that, that works for you to hear me say that, that this is what I, my, my purpose. Uh, but I don't know. Sometimes it's okay to not, not know what your purpose is or even to have a purpose and to just generally do good and be good I think about all these types of things when I when I go on these morning walks you know and, and, and to, to invite you further into what that walk looks like I typically park my vehicle on Post Oak Road if you live in Sulphur you'll know where that's at um, Post Oak Road runs north and south and Maplewood Drive runs east and west and then it runs into city service highway. And just a little ways past that is the Maplewood Commons. This all used to be really just sort of a, I, I considered it a patch of unused land. It's right next to Center Circle Park and public pool and some basketball courts and tennis courts. It's a nice little area. In fact, I used to live in this area when I was younger, when I first, my first marriage, my first child, uh, we didn't live too far from here. In fact, we would 
come walk to this park, Center Circle Park, and play. I can remember coming out here on fall days. But specifically this piece of property, it's just covered in some random trees, really. Pretty oak trees, they're no longer here. It looks like they've cut many of them down. But I do remember you could kind of drive up in here probably weren't supposed to but some friends my my dear friends from my youth we would we would drive up in here and I remember one Christmas we actually drove in here and we were trying to kind of make our own little ritual together something to celebrate Christmas and I guess it was a spiritual time to be honest between me and my friends we would come here and we brought uh we brought crackers and grape juice out here and we did our own uh, Lord's Supper together. We were probably 18, 19 years old. We came out here and, uh, in fact, probably if I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm looking at the south entrance to the park that faces the school. That's probably where it was at. You know, those, that tree's long gone, but we sat underneath the tree and we lit some little candles and we read from the Bible and we, we talked just about spiritual ideas and things and, and it was really great and then we we read the the part of the bible where jesus sits down with his disciples and has the last supper shares a meal with them and it was a great 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 night and i remember one of my friends i think one of i can i don't know if it was me or who but one of us said Man, this was really great. It really, we really feel connected to to life, you know, and each other, and, and really love. Honestly, we wanted to love people more. And <laughs> my friend, who was kind of the naysayer, he said, "Well, yeah, but I'm sure Jesus didn't use salting crackers and grape juice." And we kind of chuckled and got a good laugh out of that. And that's something I guess that I, I, I think about that sitting here today. The laughter of the whole thing. How beautiful that is. Sometimes I forget it to laugh. You know, I um, if you listen to Find the Good News, then you know I I kind of claim, I guess the term is dual belonging, which is a source of contention for me and for others sometimes, because I I find great value in Christian thinking. In, in just Jesus, to be quite honest with you, just great value in contemplating Jesus historically and Christ cosmically, I guess, would be the way I would uh, word that this morning anyway. But at the same time, I get a lot out of the historical teachings of Siddhartha Gautama, who, if you know who that is, that's who I guess we would call the Buddha, the Buddha, which... I won't get off into the realms of what that might mean. Uh, there are many Buddhas, just as there, you know, I would say if you are speaking to a contemporary progressive Christian thinker that uh, the cosmic Christ is within the path, everyone has the potential for that also. But I don't want to get off in the weeds on that and get way derailed, but um, Christ means anointed and you can get off into what those that that further further meaning of the word Christ. The word Buddha means bud, awake, unfold, one who is awake. Very simply, 
But what I've noticed over the years to get to my point I was trying to make is that, oh look, hey, the sun just came up. God, so pretty. If you get a chance to come here, just come here. What time is it? I'll tell you. Just look at your look at your app or something and see what time the sun comes up. Get here before the fountains come on. Man, it's coming up and it's just shining right through the water. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Really beautiful. Anyway, so over this course of uh last few years, I've had a lot of conversations. So with my open-minded friends, our, our circle of influence, whatever you want to call it, I can I can freely say and talk about Buddhism because it's uh, a safe place. It seems like for a lot of people, and although although I do think it can be warped and misused, just like any anything really can, honestly, just like Christianity can. But I have found that talking about that I don't is not as uh, comfortable or safe in my Christian circles. But one thing that, I, that that my point is, one thing that was really funny to me <laughs> is that for years, uh, you know, when I was a kid and I, I heard the word Buddha, I always thought of the little fat statues, you know, that we've all seen. The smiling, laughing man, you know, with the big earlobes and the big belly and in various forms you'll see, and especially if you go eat uh, Chinese food. <laughs> and here in Sulphur, in fact, there's a Chinese restaurant and they have a, a really beautiful robust big golden statue as you walk in and so for most people that i have talked to when they say when they see that they say oh that's buddha and for many many people that was as far as it went and so when i would say that i practice buddhism for many of my friends that was the image that came to mind and so for many many years i felt the need to explain that that wasn't what they thought it was and so I felt almost like I couldn't have a conversation because a real conversation about it or a serious conversation about it because they seemed to perceive him as more of a cartoonish character, something silly. Like how I follow Christ, I follow Jesus. And you know, the cross is very serious. When you look at it, it's very, very serious. I mean, I love I love the cross. I do. I love it. I'm not, I don't hide that. And I love I love images of the cross. I mean, I wear one around my neck. You know, a replica of Pope Francis's cross has Jesus holding one sheep on his shoulder with 99 behind him. And I love it. It's beautiful. I love the story. It creates great conversations. I love the prayer that I say when I put it on, prayer of St. Francis. But I also love the crucifix and, and its cruelty, its reality, its harshness. It's very, very serious. I mean, it's a bloodbath. It's a horror show. It's something to turn your eyes away from. So, yeah, I can see why my friends who were very, very serious about Jesus and the cross and sacrifice, when when the first image that came to their mind was this fat, you know, um silly looking character by their standards you don't see a lot of those types of images in Christianity so it was something to be disregarded how could I who they saw as a very serious Christian someone they could have a serious theological conversation with deep spiritual conversation how could I 
also subscribe to the teachings of this silly figure. And so I felt, you know, for a long time I needed to educate, spend, spend the first part of my conversation educating on what is this figure? Well, let me tell you, that's not what you think. That's not an image of the historical Buddha that people traditionally know. And then I had to get into who Siddhartha Gautama is, you know, and his whole story, which is great. But I could always see, like, the checkout. I could tell there was a disconnect. It's like, I've lost them because they still stuck. They're not reconciling this image of this, this, this jolly, big earlobed, uh, figurine, this idol with what I'm telling them about this prince and old age sickness and death suffering and the path away from suffering you know the freedom from the wheel of birth and death of this and that and uh, I find it to be hard and even still uh, I feel like it's a part of my <laughs> I guess it's like a sub-program because I think it's so important. I think religious dialogue is so important. I even have friends who are on the other side of that whole conversation that do the same thing with Christianity. You know, they, they look at my the icons that I surround myself with as baubles or silly or uh, an ignorant person's... Um, how could I, how could I have conversations with them that I'm having and yet subscribe to what is seen as silliness? And so for me, what that's created is a, is a sense that there's no, there's no real home. There's no real spiritual home because there's always some contention. There's always some discord there's always some wall and neither one of those systems for me structures whether it's the structure of Christianity which is wide deep many colors large spectrum just like that umbrella and Buddhism as well same thing I could say the same thing I I don't feel like an alien in either one of those frameworks I feel very much at home unfortunate nature of it is is that I feel at home when when I'm alone in both of those places right here at the Grove or here at Maplewood Commons or just anywhere where I can sit and be at peace and allow my thoughts to settle and get get into my heart and that's I guess really getting circling back around I guess that's the long way of saying that's really what find the good news is you know, you get to meet a lot of people on, on the show. and then But you also get to meet me. And I try really, really hard to be honest. Um, a big part of being honest with, some, with a podcast where you're asking other people to share is sometimes we, we have to share other people's information, other people's stories. because that, And that's a great meditation in and of itself. I can sit here and talk to you alone here at Maplewood Commons next to the fountain at sunrise. It's very easy to feel serene and at peace. But the, most of our stories are intertwined with other people's. 
most of the good that happens to us is entangled in the lives of those around us and most of the bad that is the same thing it may not it may not be day to day but there's an entanglement there's a connection to everybody else that you're going to encounter whether it's once or it's daily you know your your wife your husband your children your living relatives your friends your co-workers you know we're all entangled we're all a part of each other's story and sometimes when i sit and think about that 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 makes me want to be a better human being just that alone if i'm going to be in someone's story what what character do i want to be you know what archetype or or for that matter buffet of archetypes do i want to incorporate into my character in an authentic way who am i in their story and for me there's it's i have a vision of myself and i'll segue again but i'll promise i'll come back I have a vision of myself because yesterday I went to Julia O'Carroll's, you know, Julia O'Carroll's Tea at Walden Tea Talks. I've never been before. She was on podcasts, and I would encourage you to go listen to her episode so you can understand what Tea at Walden's all about. But I went, and I had I, I've been wanting to go and see what it was really all about, not just hear about it. And everything worked out yesterday. Everything worked out to where I could go, and it was wonderful. I got to see some other people that had been on the show. Gingy Miller was there. I got to meet people who I'd only only have a relationship online. God was so nice. They became so human. I mean, they were already real people, I know, on the other side of their avatar and their posts. But even further, even deeper, all these textures their voices, posture, the way they dressed, the kindness in a voice, the tone of it. It was just great to have that and I'm so thankful actually to have that now with some people. But I thought I wrote in my journal when we did our journaling exercise, you know that there's a vision I have of myself and there's the reality of who I am. And those two things are, are, there's a big chasm between the two. And I feel like, for me, if I could just paint this visually, that I'm, and I have been for my whole life, and perhaps this is what we're all doing, is I'm walking towards myself across that chasm. You know, I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I've, I've watched videos of people who've went and read stories and the way they go down on these burrows, you know. They're going down the down the canyon wall and then across, you know, the canyon. Perhaps going up the, on the other side, up the little trails. It's kind of a long, arduous process. Honestly, it looks like it takes days. Maybe someone who's been can correct me if I'm wrong. I really don't know. But for the purpose of this visualization, it works well to think of it that way. That's kind of what I feel like my life has been like, and maybe you do too. That there's a version of yourself that you see on the other side of that, that chasm. And every day, if we're consciously making our way toward that, we get closer and closer. 
and we have to stop and rest and sometimes we get sick of going <laughs> we take another trail but we just keep going and you know for me and that's what I feel like I'm doing even with this show with sharing these private thoughts with you this journal is I'm just going and I'm sharing and I'm sharing it with other people I meet along the way it's what I've, I've always done and heck sometimes I meet the same people years later one of the strangest things I found about life is that people that you've had a connection with at one point in your life a deep connection with I mean you feel like man this is my soulmate this is my dear friend this is my confidant this is the this is my brother this is my sister and then you circle back around a decade later and you've 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 maybe moved further away from your vision of yourself or maybe closer and you think oh well by moving closer then that better version of me that I'm gonna really be even more connected to this person and what did you find is that you're not you know and, and yet I have had to be okay with that and I kind of almost like it because it's like personal history I can take that moment in time and go yeah this was that time in my life when I was close to this person where we had this connection you know and it dwindled and we changed and maybe maybe if I live long enough they'll change and I'll change even more we'll circle back around and have that closeness again and both be able to really cherish that history that we had together I don't know in some way that almost sounds like forgiveness you know forgiveness is something I I struggle with resentment is also something I struggle with they're they're definitely in my definitely in my way but to, to the being that that vision in fact yesterday if I can jump back to the value of Julia O'Carroll's tea at Walden one of my reflections in my journal time was that every all the resentments I have and I'll spare you <laughs> spare you them because talking about them you can, they, they just get bigger but all the resentments I have are like uh, rocks you know like if my heart is a backpack and I'm carrying it around my resentments are just rocks in that bag and every time I the more I hold on to them the head the the more dense the rocks become you know and they get heavier and heavier and as I get older the bag becomes just too much to bear and I understand that those weights are a big part of what keeps me from being who I am in my vision of myself you know and what is that vision that might be something that you guys might be interested in you know, what is that vision of myself? Oh man, the, the vision I have of myself, that, or the, not, not who I think I am, but who I, I would love to be, is loving. It's the truth. I mean, I, I want that. I, I want to be loving. I want to be kind. I want to have the time and be able to, to, to listen to people who are hurting. And honestly, I want to be a healer. There's no doubt about it. In my vision of myself, I'm a healer. I'm a, a person that blesses, offers consolation, comfort, generosity. Someone who's tender. 
And in all of those things, I don't hear weakness at all. In that vision, that is that is a hundred percent the foundation of strength that I would I want to stand on. I can see elements of that in me, but I'm going to be honest. It's hard. It's very hard to be all loving, all tender, all kind, all compassionate, all giving, all blessing, all consoling, all the time. It takes work. That that's it work and honestly, this is the missing component sometimes in my understandings of my Buddhist practices is grace. You know, we don't talk a lot about grace, but we do in Christianity. And so for me, I can find a lot of these those teachings that touch me in Buddhism, the, the, the work part, right? The part that the real doing to get to the vision. To me it's the, the feet on the ground. You know, it's camp craft, so to speak. You know, how do you how do you what do you do on the journey to the other side of the chasm? But but grace is that element that comes in when I don't have the tools, when I do hit rock bottom, when I have had enough. Uh, grace comes in. And that's something that I think as a Buddhist, I wasn't always, I never put a word on it, never really fully understood it. And for years when I'd kind of really stopped almost touching Christianity, I had left grace behind, so it was all work. It was beautiful, and I learned a lot, but it was all work. It was all the practices, right? Practices of the mind, practices of the heart, exercises, contemplations, deep looking, deep seeing, awareness in general. But, and those things are great. Those things were an incredible, and they still are, high value high value of the highest value actually and when they're combined with Christian grace for me a whole new world opens up you know I talked about that glow earlier there are times when I think of this combination of things this dual belonging between Buddhism and Christianity I think of Buddhism as sort of the the vehicle or the, the container the device the 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 boat and then I stick the Christian grace in the boat and it goes, the boat moves. Uh, it's like the glow, it's the engine underneath it all. That may not work for you and that's okay too because again, it's a large spectrum. I always tell my son, we talk about the color orange a lot because it's a part of my business brand, Parker Brand. And If you were here right now, you'd see my walking stick and there's a yellow and a red ribbon on it. And I, I, I always tell my son, I said, you know, one of the, the meditations on that color and why that color is important is because I, orange is between red and yellow. And I, I always, I would ask anyone this question, show me, show me where orange is between the two. That's pretty wide. You know, put a pin in it and one person may say, huh, that's yellow still put it on the other side and they'll say no I, I see red and another person says oh no I see I see a deep orange and I see a a deep yellow you know and that's that's the chasm that's the walking across to the to the other self the vision 
you know, and so that's why sometimes I feel like I'm, I might even be the right person to be making this show. Find the good news. Maybe, maybe that is what it is because I am okay with orange in the middle, but I'm also okay living in my yellow Buddhist world and my red Christian world too. It's kind of beautiful for me. Maybe there's something that's beautiful for you. And I know from talking to all these wonderful people that I've talked to this past year that there's definitely a combination for each one of them. They may have a language of belief, system of belief, a structure, a framework, or have nothing at all. You know, they may be one of what you'll hear in this anniversary episode. They may be one of the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S. One of the nuns. You know, nothing. And okay with that and totally fine with that. And I'm fine with it too. They're walking across. They're walking down the canyon wall, you know. They're walking towards that vision of themselves. Maybe that's what I'd like to ask you today. You know, if you're listening to this, if you (laughs) have joined me out here at Maplewood Commons and watched the sun come up. What's your vision of yourself? Who do you see when you think of what the best version of you looks like? When you when you form that in your mind, how does that person speak? What do they do? You know, how do they move? For me, sometimes it's even how old are they? You know, what are the details of that reality? And are you walking towards that vision of yourself? And the other thing, which is a hard pill to swallow, is will you be okay if you don't make it? You know, for me, that's something very important, and it can become a source of pain, honestly, when you have a vision of yourself and you see yourself take actions or do things that aren't in alignment with it or are just weights on the journey you know it's like those resentments that I carry those places that I have not yet forgiven people you know because it's look you can say I forgive them and you can say I've let that go but for me, and it comes from many of the Buddhist practices of watching the mind and the thoughts, I find those people that I haven't forgiven and those resentments I carry are, are frequent visitors to the guest house in my mind. You know, and every time I think I've said out loud or even internally, I've forgiven them, the next house party I have in my head, they show up. And I'm like, man, you're still coming to this party? You're still showing up here? And what's next? Don't you know you're not welcome here? Ah, yeah, okay. So there it is. For me, that's all it takes. You're not welcome here. You know, I cast you out. Don't come inside. The minute I start doing that, for me, what I found is I'm actually not only... Am I, am I creating a, a polarization, like some sort of magnetic repulsion? I'm actually building them a 
a little room right outside the door, a little place for them to stay. And then the more I, the more I want to kick them out, the more they want to come in. I don't know. It's hard. It's very hard. And so there you go. When I wrote in my journal yesterday at Julia's Tea at Walden Tea Talk workshop, journaling workshop, was what I'd love to do is take those rocks out of that bag and get it off my back. And instead, use those very things somehow, like alchemy, to take those resentments and old pains and lay them on the ground, put a little mortar between them, and see them for what they are, and let them be the path, man. Let them be the path so I can walk right across them, use those things somehow to get through future hard things, or hard things going on right now, and kind of create a platform for me to move past it and get closer to that vision, you know? I don't know. It was a great exercise, honestly. I would encourage anybody to look Julia O'Carroll or T at Walden up and connect with her. Honestly, one of the best things I've done in a long time. I realized yesterday that I hadn't written in my journal in almost, honestly, a year and a half, almost two years. Almost. There was a tragedy or a pain that occurred in our family and um, I just felt like every time I opened my journal, I wasn't doing the journal itself justice by not writing about that pain. Like I couldn't get it out properly. And so how could I write about anything else if I wasn't going to acknowledge this pain, you know? And so I, I looked yesterday and I've carried that journal. It's in my backpack even right now. And I was like, every day. I used to journal every day. But I didn't want to write about that one thing. So it was just, again, one of those stones. And I realized yesterday, with Julia's help, what was great about it was the very nature of the workshop was to write. And so in, in her exercises allowed me to move past that. Have I written about that tragedy and that pain? No. But what I realized yesterday is that I will be able to at some point when I am ready to but I don't have to let that that rock in my backpack be something that's weighing me down and, there, and Julia if she's listening to this I hope she knows that she's helped me take that one rock out yesterday and put it on the ground on that path to stepping forward to that vision I may come back and write about that at some point but it doesn't have to be in my backpack anymore. You know, now it's on the ground. It's built up. It's a part of the path. And I'll be able to go write about it maybe in a healthy way. And not just framed through hardship and pain and resentment. Because that one rock, that one resentment gave birth to a dozen more resentments and pains. Revealed people, some people's truth or some people's faces, their true face in the moment, in that moment in time. And because it's a rock and it's solid, that's how I sometimes can still see people through that as that rock in that resentment as if they aren't allowed to change. 
as if they are just that rock and all that it means you know but there's so much more than that and and if I am to humbly ask that I be allowed to change as a big part of what I've talked about this morning if I'm if I'm to be allowed to move toward my vision of myself then why would I not extend the same time and patience to others who also are changing trying to become their vision of their self you know we're, we're a big body us people and not just people but the whole universe this whole planet filled with so much life and variety you know and that's very important it's a big it's a big beautiful stained glass window you know yesterday I was thinking about how beautiful that is you know you can still be a piece of yellow glass you know you can still have the little lead lines and soldering that gives you some identity you can still be that one little piece of glass and if I put my eye right up on it the light shines through and I go oh this glass is yellow this whole glass is yellow but I step back six inches and then I see red and then I see blue and I see the little the little soldering the little black lead divider and the further away I get I get to see the whole picture I see this beautiful image whatever it may be maybe it's maybe it's a beautiful image like what's on my cross of Jesus with a with the one sheep on his shoulder you know with the 99 saying where are you going why are you going after that one and I get to sit and stare at this beautiful picture and contemplate it learn something from it meditate on it but each one of those little pieces of glass is living out its its purpose its vision if you want to call it its purpose its destiny whatever it's being what it is it's being what it's supposed to be for someone who doesn't like a yellow piece of glass maybe they like red they go oh I don't like yellow I can never be yellow that's probably true you don't have to be you just need to be red or blue or whatever you are and then yeah you may even have a little bit of, div- of a divider between you between red and blue and yellow and green there may be little dividers but they're right next to each other making up a bigger picture the whole you know and not a single one steps out because when you remove those colors the picture isn't as beautiful less contrast less detail well thank you for if you listen to this I appreciate you maybe you heard something that is of value mainly thank you for allowing me to talk to you I'd love to hear back from you honestly I would Uh, Let me know if you want to hear more episodes like this, more Find the Good News Journal. 
you know, because this is my come from. This is where the show is born. You know, it's not born just around the table with the microphones. It's not just born in the graphics and all those colors that you see, all those lovely colors, the fun, fun things that you see. It's born also on these morning walks at sunrise around the water fountains and other places too. And also, on one final note, because I talked about it and I just want to say this, because I got way off. You know, I brought up our fat Buddha <laughs> earlier, and I got to tell you a little quick, quick story about it. I, I actually used to never want those things because I felt I never wanted them around because I felt like if that's the icon of the Buddha that, that I'm going to have for people around, it's going to just reinforce the problem that, that I outlined for you earlier. But uh, a couple of months ago, I saw a pretty green one at a local shop and I was like, oh, he's so happy. He's so jolly. Hote. That's that's Hote. Let's look it up. Hote is who that is, actually. A, a Buddha. A Buddha. A person. A, an awakened being. Or in some... Sometimes you'll hear it say a deity, a Chinese deity. But Hote is what that icon actually is. The statues you see. That's not historical Buddha. But it didn't matter. Because what I saw when I saw this beautiful green little jolly... Buddha he was so happy you know he was so happy and if you know the story or anything about Hote and I'll give you the real brief summary you can go look that up you'll notice he's always got a sack on his shoulder and uh, kind of like another jolly jolly old man that runs around with a sack over his shoulder and in that sack are gifts for whatever you need so the idea is that Hote is wandering around, laughing, reminding people that things aren't as bad as they seem. If we could shift our perspective just a little bit, we might actually be able to let go of fear and, and scarcity and see abundance. But if you are suffering, what do you need? And that was Hote's great gift, was whatever you need was in his, in his bag. And so you reach in and he would be whatever you need. I love that. Love it so much. And so now I can, I, I kind of cherish that little green hote. He just jumps out at me. This laughing Buddha. This laughing person who's awake. Who gets it. And so this morning when I got here and I saw the fountains were off, I thought, oh man. I'm gonna get to listen to the water. I had this whole thing in my head. I was gonna, I'm gonna get to listen to the water and, and meditate and then pray and let my mind settle. Oh man! And then immediately, right after that, laughing Buddha, <laughs> Hote, was like, "Oh, it's okay. What are you worrying about? Look at this. It's so quiet." And then I could hear the laughter almost in my head. And I, I audibly laughed out loud here by myself at the park as I thought about the silliness of my little frustration. And honestly, the little image of Hote, he helped me let it go. <laughs> I just let it go. And I remembered, hey, I've got my 
my audio kit in my backpack. I brought it out here. I was going to journal. Well, let's just do that then. Maybe the water will come on. If it doesn't, that's okay too. And man, now, this whole time I've been talking to you guys, I've gotten to watch the sun come up and dance through all of these beautiful little streams of water. You know, and this wall of, this waterfall that they have. It's changed color, you know, beautiful oranges and yellows, pinks, blues. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. Really does. And I hope you can get out there and enjoy it. And I hope on some some way, whatever, wherever you're at on your journey to that vision of you, your, your vision of you, the best you, I hope that this little conversation is a good accompaniment. With the movement of a merry-go-round you always finish back where you start So accustomed to the spinning all around